Our scripture reading this evening comes from Psalm chapter 51, verses 1 through 17. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you alone I have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being, therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and block out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice, if I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Go to most sanctuaries you would find very similar items in the front, usually where the choir and the ministers all sit. There's usually an altar. There's usually a baptismal font or a baptismal pool. And there's usually a pulpit like I'm standing at or a lectern where Pastor Robert read our scripture. But there are some churches that are older than others. We're a relatively young church being planted out here in North Shelby County in the 1980s. One of the churches that I served here in, in Birmingham is about to be 120 years old. And there are items there that go back generations, special chairs that the pastors used to sit in, baptismal fonts that date back so long that there are people baptized in those waters that are no longer with us anymore. When I was younger, I worked in another church in South Carolina where there were items like that. There were historic items that really were not there to be used. There were, there were things that were just pretty to look at to remember the heritage of the church. One of those was a chair that was in the very middle 
of the front of the sanctuary. There were two very plain chairs for the priest, uh, for the preacher and for the liturgist to sit in, but this ornate historic chair was right in the middle. And it was barely holding on. It was wood glued so much that I don't know how much wood was there if it was mostly just wood glue holding it all together. Well, at this church, most of the time, everyone would sit in the meager, basic chairs on either side. And yet we had a guest preacher come once. This guest preacher who was very famous in that neck of the woods and somebody forgot to tell him about that chair and I don't know what was in his mindset when he walked in and processed in and after the apostles creed he decided that the meager chair was really not fit for someone like him and he waltzed over to that chair and you audibly heard a gasp from the congregation He sat down and nothing happened. Halfway through the opening hymn though, boom, he crashed through and hit the floor. It held together for a little bit. That was the Holy Spirit keeping it together, I think. You know, United Methodists sometimes are said to be so focused on grace that they don't always focus on the truth that There are parts of us that are broken. There are parts of us that are mired in sin. There are parts of us that that need healing. Ash Wednesday and Lent is that time where we focus on those things. We acknowledge our brokenness. We acknowledge that we need God because God is the only one who can heal us. You know, when, when we're thinking about Ash Wednesday and its heritage, it goes back possibly even before this, but at least to the 11th century. We know that as far as almost a thousand years ago, Christians were making the sign of the cross with ashes to start the season of Lent, to prepare themselves for the beauty and the glory of Easter that God defeated death and sin on that cross and when that tomb became empty on Easter Sunday. And yet... The practice, in a sense, kind of fell away from a lot of the mainline Protestant churches until the 60s and 70s of the last century when it became popular again. And I don't know why it was, but it became popular again and it's really expanded to more churches as people are starting to understand that there is something within each of us that only God can heal. Only God can sow back together. The meaning of the ashes goes back to Genesis and it goes all the way forward to what will happen for each of us. The words that we are told in the book of worship to say to people who receive the ashes is either repent and believe in the gospel or from dust you came and dust you shall return. I'd like to start with that second now. From dust you came to dust you shall return. There is both a message of great hope and a message of urgency that that phrase sends to us this evening. 
First of all, from dust you came. Adam was formed from the dust of the earth, was he not? He was knit together by God. We did not exist before Adam and Eve became, according to the story, knit together by God. And all of us come from that unique heritage. The very fact that we come from dust demonstrates that God loves us and created us so that we could be his people. We were made a little bit higher than anything else that was created by God. A little bit higher so that we could be co-workers with God. Adam and Eve had a special job in the garden, naming animals and tending to life. We would not exist if God did not choose to create us. We mean something to God. Each and every one of us means something to God. We are knit together from the dust of the earth. The passage that Pastor Robert read to us this evening, Psalm 51, assumes that God loves us. It assumes that God cares for us and is there for us. It's attributed to David after he committed a sin and he is exposed, had that sin exposed by Nathan and he turns to God and pens this. Maybe he sung it in the moment, I don't know. But he pens this psalm assuming that God cares, assuming that God wants him to repent, and he does. He says, create in me, O God, a new and right spirit. Create in me a new heart. Because God is waiting for that prayer. God is waiting for David to turn his heart back over to him so that he can remake it. We are made from dust by a God who cares about us. At the same time, there is a message that we will one day return to dust. We will not last forever in this frame of reality. We will eventually enter into a home not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens as we hear. We will not last forever on this earth and there is a message of Ash Wednesday that we don't have all the time in the world to get our act together. There's a sense of urgency that Ash Wednesday has for us. Do you think that there's a sense of urgency from David when he begins writing these words? Create in me a clean heart. He knows he is messed up. There's a sense of urgency. He wants to be restored into a right relationship with God. The gift of ashes for us is both that there is a God who cares for us and wants to redeem us, but also a reminder that we are broken and in need of healing. Each and every one of us has something that only God can touch and heal and transform. Think about all the words that is attributed to David in Psalm 51 that has to do with changing his heart, changing his his mindset, changing his very relationship with God. Wash me, cleanse me, purify me. There is a radical change that David is praying for. And I think that this is probably the most revealing thing that David prays in this. He says, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. 
in a sense, what I think David is saying in that part is, it's better to have a broken and contrite heart that is open to God than to be wood glued together and look like you're fit. It's not good to fake good living. It's not good enough to act like we have everything together so that no one else in the community knows that there are broken parts in us. That is not how we survive. That is not how we thrive. That is not how God heals us. In some way, there's a sense of urgency that Ash Wednesday reminds us about, and that is it's better for us to have that open and contrite heart because God can work with that. God can redeem and renew hearts that are broken open and ready to be restored by the God who knit them together from dust. Why would God want us to confront our mortality at a time like this, at the very beginning of a 40-day season before Easter, if God did not care deeply about restoring us, redeeming us, and changing our hearts. It's a difficult message to hear, and yet I think God wants us to hear it. Because without that grace reforming us, what will we become? Who will we be? God, with this sense of urgency, reminding us that we are dust, and the dust we shall return, is giving us the gift of time. The gift of time right now, in this moment, in this season, to know that he is for us and not against us. And when we come forward to him, when we kneel down before him, when we bow before him, when we plead for his help, we are not pleading on deaf ears. We are pleading upon the God who knit us together and wants to be a part of healing each and every one of us. The gift of the ashes reminds us of both the eternal hope that we have in God, but also that we are limited in our time. We need to make the most of every minute, of every second, every day that we have because when we do, not only will we find a God ready to restore us and heal us and purify and cleanse us and make us new again, but we'll have more time to have made a difference in our communities and in the lives of people around us. We will have left more good behind us than broken pieces. I invite you tonight on this night where we mark the start of the holy season of Lent, to no longer glue your life together, but to open it up to God, whether that be in the historic, time-honored, spiritual formation practices that you can practice, or whether it's finally becoming honest with God and seeking his grace uniquely for you. Would you pray with me? Most holy and loving God, heal us and make us new. Take our broken pieces and knit them together. Sustain us with your grace and help us faithfully journey towards you 
each and every day of our Lenten journey. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.